the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic with comprehensive coverage and insightful analysis built around all of your favorite teams and leagues. Download the app, personalize your feed, and it'll be ad free all the time. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track for 40% off your first year subscription today. We are also presented by Dynasty Owner. It is fantasy football season, believe it or not, whether you're ready or not. (laughs) And the power of fantasy football users in the Dynasty world are gearing up for another draft. Very important. Draft prospects in the Dynasty Fantasy Football are the lifelines of many of those rosters. So very important two weeks here for Dynasty Fantasy Football. It's time to visit DynastyOwner.com. Get yourself in. Either renew your league, start a new league. It can be for cash prizes or free. Get a bunch of your friends together. Create a season. Real NFL contracts. So you're using average salaries of actual contracts to build your dynasty. There's a salary cap. You have to make actual GM decisions. It is as close to the real thing as possible. And it's all today at DynastyOwner.com. Great show today for you. We're going to bring in senior NFL draft analyst Joe Marino from the Draft Network. He's great. We have him on every year. It is time for draft talk, at least a little bit of draft talk. And Joe is the uh, at the heart of it all. Tons of research, tons of info. A uh, couple of hot takes at the top of the draft, positional groupings, what, what which positions have depth in this draft, which may not. Uh, you know, where is this defensive situation going to land in terms of, you know, a quarterback dominant top of the draft? Really good stuff from Joe, as always, as expected. He's great. He'll be at the first piece of this show. And then the back end, we're going to bring Scott back in and we're going to reignite this segment we did last week with highest paid earners in franchise history, but we're going to focus on running backs this time. Which running back has earned the most for your favorite franchise? This was not easy. (laughs) And I look like quite a fool in in a few cases, but tons of fun, tons of good names to reminisce with. And, uh, you know, even some good paydays back in the day, not so much today, but that's the back end of the show. And also the best values in the first two weeks of major league baseball, some names at the top of the list that, You've heard before, but maybe you can't believe are actually playing well now. Some players who were disappearing last year that are back this year, their teams as well along with them, and some uh, really high-paid players that are still pretty good value. So it's an interesting list to follow throughout the year. Scott and I kind of break down where it stands at the very early stages. Let's talk NFL Draft with Joe Marino. Thrilled to be joined again by the senior NFL Draft Analyst for the Draft Network, and the host of Locked On Bills podcast, Joe Marino. Joe, welcome back to the show. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Always appreciate uh, the opportunity to come on and, and talk it with you. It's a busy time, I would imagine. We're about two weeks out here, a little less than two weeks out here. Um, what kind of questions are you getting the most right now? Well, you know, it's the questions are everywhere and it's always the hard questions. It's usually (laughs) what's happening with Micah Parsons. Who are the 49ers drafting at number three? Are the Atlanta Falcons going to stay put and pick a quarterback? Are they going to trade out? Are the Patriots going to come up for a quarterback? You don't know these answers. Why do why am I even having you on the show, Joe? What am I doing here? No, sorry. (laughs) You know, we, we, we try to piece it all together the best we can, but 
at the end of the day, one one domino not falling the way you think it's going to, and all your predictions are wrong. Everybody's wrong all the time. There's no question about it. You know, it's uh, it is not a science. There's nothing to it. And uh, by the way, putting out wrong information is the right move for teams right now. So, right. yeah, it's a fun time of year to be crazy because it's a uh, it's just there's a lot of buildup. At least we know. At least I think we know where we are with number one. We can probably put that aside at this point. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you've done the work on the quarterbacks. It's, I, I feel obligated to start there. I don't even care who goes where at this point. Just just give me your sense about these next two to three to four quarterbacks uh, in terms of NFL eligibility, you know, probability. And I guess, you know, who's going to be playing in 2021? Because, you know, I just kind of had a, a, a venting tweet process where I just saw win projections. How can we have win projections, Joe, when we don't even know who's going to be starting for like seven or eight teams? <laughs> You know, that's really fascinating, especially when you consider the San Francisco 49ers. I think the win projection was at 10. And is that with Garoppolo, right? (laughs) Well, they they put it out there. So I don't know if they think Garoppolo is going to play. But if you take a quarterback number three overall and you invest three first round picks in getting to that spot, conventional wisdom tells you that. The, the rookie's going to play for most of the season. And so yeah. for them to come in at 10 wins is really crazy to me. But, uh, you know, I think you're going to see Zach Wilson go number two uh, to the New York Jets out of BYU. And obviously he's really special in terms of what he can do with the football. And it's funny, you pop on the tape with Zach Wilson and I'm a game into watching him. And I'm like, these are some ridiculous plays. I don't know if this is going to translate to the NFL. And then you watch game after game after game. And you're like, this is this is a trend. This is what he does, and so he's he's really exciting. Uh, Joe, is, is it Mahomes like in that regard, where it just oh, seemed gosh. like he was off the board at Texas Tech, and, and nobody wanted to touch that because it was Brett Favre like? I'll tell you, the thing about Patrick Mahomes is that he opened my eyes to players like this, and yes. I'll tell you what, just like on a personal note, I was not in on Johnny Manziel, not at all, and not not even getting into any of the off field stuff like the football player. I'm like, this guy just can't drift back in the pocket, make three guys miss, heave up the ball to Mike Evans at Texas A&M and not work in the NFL. And so when I was right about Johnny Manziel, it gave me a lot of courage to write off guys like Patrick Mahomes. But I'll tell you, I've learned a lot from Patrick Mahomes and then seeing Josh Allen take the steps that he's taken. So uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that Zach Wilson is 85% 85% of Patrick Mahomes or anything like that. But stylistically, there's there's a lot of parallels. Okay. Um, is he so special, Joe, that there's not an offer that the Jets would consider, in your opinion? Well, I, I don't think you, you ever say never when it comes to the NFL draft. But I think the Jets are probably pretty happy to be there at number two, especially with them trading Sam Darnold. And so if they don't sit there at two and pick their guy – um, they, they're going to be empty handed at quarterback. And I don't think going into this year, year one under Robert Sala and the moves that they've made this off season to bolster the roster with Carl Lawson and Corey Davis and Jared Davis and Lamarcus Joyner, right. I, even Sheldon Rankins. I don't think that they're thinking about anything about them other than the guy that they want to pick at number two. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, in similar vest, kind of this Trey Lance kid, he, he can move around a little bit. I mean, he's a big kid, big arm. Uh, where does he live for you? 
I really like the idea of him to the Atlanta Falcons at number four. And Trey Lance is, like you mentioned, he's size, athleticism, dual threat ability, big arm. You love him in the play action game. But at the end of the day, he's only been a one-year starter at North Dakota State. He's entering the NFL with 318 passing attempts under his belt. He's not ready to become a quarterback in the NFL and take the reins on day one. And for Atlanta, who has Matt Ryan in the mix, you know, at least for this year, and their contract is kind of set up for him to be there for two yes. years. But look, we said that about Goff and Stafford and, and Wentz, right? They, they still found ways to move on from those guys. But I like the idea of him in Atlanta to learn behind Matt Ryan. No stress to play him right away. And Atlanta would get their quarterback in year one under their new quarterback, or excuse me, under their new general manager and head coach combination. So I'll piggyback off that a little bit because I also love that whole situation that you've laid out. And the difference, Joe, between Matt Ryan's contract and Goff or Stafford is Matt Ryan's not operating with guaranteed salary that could be traded to a new team. Matt, that $65 million of dead cap is bonus dead cap. It's staying with Atlanta how, however they want to wow. take it. It's theirs. So he is Im- immobile right now, in my opinion, and they've restructured him accordingly this year. So he's certainly there this year in the fold. Um, and you're right, and I'm glad you said it. it. He's probably there next year, too. So if Trey Lance needs a bit of work and, and he's a bit of a project, then that is the, the, correct, the correct move. But, and you're right, isn't getting out of number four probably the better move for them right now? <laughs> Possibly, you know, I mean, they can move back and I'm, I'm, I'm certain between you look at teams like the New England Patriots, maybe the Denver Broncos, there's teams that need to go up and get a quarterback. And and so if Atlanta wants to make that move down the board, I think they'll have that opportunity. And and for the Falcons, I'm sure they love having those options. And, And, you know, there's, even if they sat there and picked Kyle Pitts and tried to really gear up under Matt Ryan and win now, I think that there's options for them. Are we going four quarterbacks in a row? I mean, is that is that a realistic thing here? I think it's realistic. I think we're definitely getting to three. Yeah. And whether Atlanta picks one at four or somebody trades into that spot, I think it's definitely within the realm of possibilities. And I don't think it's would be su- something I'd be surprised with at all based wow. on the way this landscape is uh, has presented itself. Okay. Um, I, I don't want to completely dodge Jacksonville here because, A, they have the most picks. They have the largest draft pool. They're obviously going to take Trevor Lawrence uh, to be the franchise quarterback, and they've made quite a few offseason acquisitions to sort of start the process of building around him. What, what in your opinion, is next? I mean, like they've got a bevy of sort of mid-round, you know, top 100 picks here. It, you know, in, uh, in terms of their needs, you know, does it make sense for them to go and, and, and match up a Travis Etienne with, with – you know, the Clemson quarterback situation, or do you think that it's going to be more about the beefing up the offensive line, beefing up the defensive line, going the more traditional route with Urban Meyer versus make, getting playmakers at this stage? Well, I can see the argument for Travis Etienne. Um, I know that they had James Robinson there last year who had a good season, but I think the style of offense that we saw Ohio State run under Urban Meyer and replicating those ingredients in Jacksonville, especially with the parallels to what Trevor Lawrence did at Clemson, a player like Travis Etienne, not just because he was in the same backfield as Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, but because stylistic, he's, he's the right type of back for that shotgun, heavy spread, quick game type offense. And so I think that would be a worthwhile conversation, but Jacksonville, believe it or not, I think they've done a good job in free agency to really, you know, plug this roster with, with a lot of reasonable players. And so 
there's not there's not that many glaring needs, and that's why Travis Etienne's a worthwhile conversation. They did miss out on Tyson Alualu, so I think the interior defensive line is something that could be in play, and I think safety is certainly another option that could could be in the mix. But you know, as crazy as it sounds for a team at this point in their life cycle to be talking about a running back at 23, I, I think Travis Etienne makes a lot of sense. It sure looks like, sounds like, feels like that ETN and Najee Harris are going to be attached at the hip in this draft, that they're probably going to go right about there. You know, I know Pittsburgh loves their running backs, and that's kind of, that's kind of where they are. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. It's a little high for me personally, but, you know, I'd like to see these guys slip more to the back of the, of the first round just from a financial standpoint, not not for them personally, from a team-building standpoint. Right. Um but I understand the needs for, for those franchises that are being linked to those players. You mentioned defense. Defense seems like it has been completely spit up and chewed, chewed and, and spit out um, of this draft, at least the top 15. Where are we going to see the first defensive player go in this? That's fun. I think I saw the over-under on defensive players in the first round is, is 14. Wow. And when you think wow. – <laughs> so if you think about it, Mike, I mean, we could see – all of the top nine picks being offensive players and only one going in the top 10 with that being Dallas at number 10. And so your path to getting to 15 defensive players, you would need, you know, of the remaining 22 picks, you, you would need 14 of them to be defensive players. And so I think defense comes into play starting at maybe number nine, if, if Denver's willing to take Micah Parsons, and they don't make a move for a quarterback, but it could be number 10, the Dallas Cowboys, who I think surely will be in the market for a cornerback um, and have their choice potentially of, of the guy that's number one on the board. So I think defense will be in play starting at number nine and 10, and I don't know that we get more than 14 defensive players drafted in the first round. Wow. That's that's quite a stat. That is quite, that's going to make watching that first round even more interesting now because <laughs> – yeah, I do know that a lot of the teams in the back of this first round, you know, you know, especially the you know the teams like the Bills that you follow, they're going to be eyeing some of these defensive players. So it could be back heavy for sure, uh, Green Bay, Kansas City as well. But um, it just seems like they're being lost in translation here. It's really interesting, and I guess that's what happens when you're quarterback heavy and and wide receiver heavy as we were last year. Let's talk about these wide receivers, or I guess we should say pass catchers this year, because for all intents, Kyle Pitts is kind of above the fold in this conversation, even though he's listed as a tight end. Is it, is there going to be a run on these guys kind of like in a fantasy draft where, you know, when Kyle Pitts goes, somebody's going to jump up or, or, or feel obligated to get there for a waddle or a chase? Well, I think Kyle Pitts is in play as early as number four to Atlanta. And then he certainly doesn't get past Miami at six. And so, you know, Miami, Detroit at seven, um, the Giants at 11, even a you know, sneaky team being the, the, you know, the Chargers at 13, the Eagles at 12. I think that these receivers are going to go, and, and Kyle Pitts certainly leading the way, Jamar Chase, LSU, Jalen Waddle from Alabama, and Devonta Smith from Alabama. I think those guys will all be picked you know, within the first 16 of the draft. And then, to me, it's anyone's guess. I mean, you could tell me Elijah Moore from Ole Miss goes in the first round, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota, even Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU. I mean, there's names – but we've seen the NFL do a good job of getting second round wide receivers, yes. day two wide receivers, whether that's DK Metcalf or AJ Brown or Terry McLaurin, 
you know, those guys are all second, second round, third round picks. And so you could see teams maybe taking advantage of, of those trends and, and filling other needs in the first round and maybe waiting on some of these wide receivers for day two. I think that's right. I think that's exactly right. Top 15 and then probably out of the conversation until day two. That's probably right because, like I said, and now obviously Vegas kind of agrees with us that it's going to be a, a defensive, you know, heavy second half of day one. Um, let's talk about kind of the teams that you you eye locally. You know, your you're Locked On Bills podcast is extremely in-depth uh, and a must-listen for Bills fans out there. Uh, so let's talk Bills. Let's talk AFC East. It's one of the more interesting divisions in this entire league right now. Uh, Miami, obviously, at the top of the conversation with the work they've already done in this draft. Is it going to be more boring than not in that division here? Outside, Obviously, you know, Zach Wilson is probably going to be the more interesting pick in this division to start. But there's going to be a pass catcher in Miami at some point. I imagine an offensive lineman as well. Where's Buffalo leaning right now, Joe? I think Brandon Bean has positioned himself to let the talent fall to him. Yeah, best available. And, yeah. Yeah, there's 21 of 22 starters are returning, and the only guy that's not is John Brown, who they released and brought in Emmanuel Sanders, who I think the team probably views as an upgrade. And he's made a lot of smart bargain bin type free agent signings to fill holes in the roster. And so at pick 30, Brandon Bean has everything on the table. He can let things fall to him and pick the player that he likes the most, right? He doesn't have to find the starting right tackle or a starting corner or a starting linebacker. There's areas to upgrade. There are long-term needs to be mindful of, but Brandon Bean is, uh, has done a really good job of building a roster that has not created this panic need that you have to get, which is smart. You're picking 30th. You better not need your absolute starter on day one at that spot. And so, you know, you could tell where the bills are in their life cycle as a team. And that um, they're finally in that spot where there's no immediate needs and they can really start to craft this roster to take the next step and become that team that they envision being. And that's that comes from having maximum flexibility in the draft. Even if he wants to make a move up the board, the Bills have seven draft picks. I'm not sure they're going to be able to roster seven guys. And so if they want to package some picks and go get specific guys, Bean's proven willing to do that. And I think that's certainly in play again this year. The, the two positions that have been linked to the Bills are tight end and running back um, at some point, you know, in, in the top 100 here. Is that kind of where your mindset is, is as well? And probably somebody in the secondary at the cornerback position, they certainly need an edge rusher. They they really haven't filled that void, kind of kind of chalk on it, really, more than anything. Um, is that kind of where you're living right now? Or is the running back conversation out for you with the acquisitions they've made? For me, both of those positions are out, tight end and running really? back. and. Yeah, well, I mean, Mike, this this team was they had the best offense the franchise has ever put on the field last year. Scored 501 points. It was number two in the NFL in yards and scoring with the running backs and tight ends that they had. So just let Dawson so, Knox grow up and, and make Jacob Hollister the blocking back that Lee Smith was. I well, I think that Hollister's certainly a more capable receiver than Lee Smith, but you've got two years invested in the development yeah. of Dawson Knox, who came into the NFL extremely raw as a high school quarterback. Only caught 39 passes for his career at Ole Miss. And, you know, tight ends are slow developing. They don't come out and make year one impacts. You think about even the best tight end prospects we've seen in TJ Hawkins and OJ Howard in recent years, they take a little time to get going. And so for the Bills picking at 30 or, you know, even second or third round, I don't think that you're really positioning yourself to get an upgrade to Dawson Knox 
be, you know, right now. And so I just don't see that as a viable idea. And then the running back conversation, Brandon Bean has been pretty outspoken about how he thought it was completely unfair to think that the Bills' inconsistency running the football had anything to do with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. And I think having Cody Ford back at left guard mm. and having their offensive line otherwise back, and we, we say that the offensive line is back, but those guys, their they're preferred starting offensive line of uh, Dawkins, Ford, Morse, Feliciano, and Williams, they didn't take a single snap together last year, not at any point, not in training camp, not in the regular season. And so while we say the offensive line is back, it's really not. And so I think that they're pretty comfortable with what they have in terms of running the football, getting the blocking right, figuring out if they want to be a zone team or a gap style team. And I'm not sure that the Bills are thinking about running back. To me, it's okay, what can they do at cornerback two to upgrade over Levi Wallace when you the only cornerbacks under contract beyond this year are Trey White and Dane Jackson. Right. They have short and long-term needs at cornerback. And then for all they did with the defensive line last year, last year the pass rush wasn't good enough. So I think that they're going to look to bolster the secondary at corner and find their answers at defensive end. If that's all they did, uh, the Bills fan of me would be more than pleased. <laughs> if they if they forfeited the rest of their draft to go up and get those two guys specifically, I'd be happy with the Bills draft. <laughs> just just from a fan perspective, I think they're exactly right. I I have been uh, against the running back conversation, and look, I, I look no further than what the Chiefs did last year, Joe. And I love the player. I love Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I love it. I just didn't th- that that to me was best available option for them. But they had to go up and get it. I. I I didn't see the need for that team to do that. And I think they got exposed with some deficiencies they had at the end of the season because of that, that pick specifically. So I just don't agree with taking best available player when it's not the right position group to be, to be targeting at that point. And I think that's what some of these really good teams in the back of the first round are going to be toying with when there's some of these weapons sitting there. And you mentioned how some of those wide receivers probably should fall into the second round. These, you know, these good teams, the Packers, the chiefs, the the bucks they're going to be they're going to be tantalized by talent you know what what else can what other toys can we give tom brady patrick mahomes i think it's detrimental to the to the immediate success of a team of course it's you know ceh is going to be great for the next 2 3 years in in kansas city but you know i think uh I think building for the next four years is a dying art in sports. I really do. And it's about getting the needs you need right now, which is the conversation we're having with Buffalo. If you've got two needs and you've got two players at the top of those boards, just do it. Just do it. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you think the Chiefs didn't wish they picked an offensive tackle? That's exactly where I'm going. I didn't. I, I was trying to say it without saying it, Joe, because we've been yeah, beating the dead no, horse here. <laughs> um, okay, uh, what else? What else is is uh, is position heavy in this draft? I mean, wide receivers. It seems you know, as is always the case. Um, you know, there's a there seems to be a decent amount of top one hundred cornerbacks. Is that correct in saying? And then certainly offensive tackles. Yeah, I like the cornerbacks. I think there's probably – I'm sure that I'm going to have 13, 14 top 100 cornerbacks. I'll have several offensive linemen. I think I had – last I checked, I had seven offensive linemen in my top 50. And so the NFL has been needing this. They've been needing some really high-quality offensive line talent influx into the league. And I think going back to last year and this year, I think it, it has been critical for – allowing these offensive lines to catch up because I think there's, there was a stretch there for a while where the offensive line talent was just completely lacking, but uh, I think it'll be replenished 
this year and last. So you have the deepest positions for me. You mentioned wide receiver, but you know it's it's corner, it's offensive line, and even even defensive end edge rushers. Like I don't know that there's a premium talent. There's no Joey Bosa or Miles Garrett type players, but there could be 15 or so gone in the first 100 picks, and I would completely understand it. So deep. You know, defensive end, edge rusher is another really strong position this year. Well, that's good news for a lot of teams, I'm sure. <laughs> it's a, it just seems to be one of those things that, Joe, that's a, that's an area where I'm, I'm really starting to watch it from a financial standpoint because it seems to be leveling off a little bit, plateauing a bit. I know Bosa got big, big money, and Garrett got, you know, below market money in terms of Bosa's contract. But I just wonder, we're seeing a lot of these guys get kind of released out of contracts age 28, 29, and then take, you know, half market value, right? You're Justin Houston's. I, what's Vaughn Miller going to be next year at, at 31 years old? Um, so I, I wonder how that's going to work. And if it, if it becomes something that teams end up drafting second, third round every other year to mitigate having to pay $25 million plus to the non-special players, right? Your non-top three players in the league. Um, just one of those positions I think could have a huge gap financially sooner rather than later. Uh, and if, if the depth like this keeps coming, that's going to be the case. There's no question about it. Wide receivers as well. Any other uh, special headlines we should be following here that you've kind of, you know, maybe questions you've had that, that, that have intrigued you, have piqued your interest leading up to the next two weeks here? I think the, the thing on my mind right now that I'm searching for answers on is this Micah Parsons stuff. Okay. Because, you know, you watched him in 2019 and he was special, you know, really good football player, size, athleticism, good processor. Ops out of the 2020 season. We hear about the hazing stuff and I had some conversations this past week where, you know, I'm asking around trying to figure out the valuation across the NFL and, and I'm just not getting very good answers. And a couple people said, Joe, I'm not sure this guy goes in the top 20. I mean, he's certainly a top 20 talent, but, there are questions about, you know, maturity and, and off the field stuff that are, are giving some teams some caution. And so figuring out where a guy like that is going to go is interesting to me. You know, if Mac Jones isn't the pick at number three, which I don't think he's going to be, I think it'll be Justin Fields at three. Where does he go? Does, does he just fall to New England at 15 and they pick him? Uh, does a, a, a team like um, Pittsburgh or even a Chicago, a desperate quarterback team, try to go make a play at them. You know, to me, those are two of the most interesting storylines as we close in on, on the final days before the draft. Wow. I, I'm still convinced Cincinnati's going to do it. <laughs> I know they should take a tackle, but I'm still convinced they're going to do it. It just seems they're like gonna they're going to They're going to pick who? Micah. I'm still convinced. Oh, really? I, I, I would say I would say fairly confident today as we have this conversation that I think their pick's going to be Penny Sewell. It, it better be. It better yeah, be because I, they've already lost their big quarterback once. So, right. I, <laughs> I uh, I'm voting for that. I just uh, I've 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 been burned by the Bengals too many times, Joe. That's all. Well, I got I got to finish on this because you said it out loud. Tell me why it's Justin Fields and not Mac Jones. Well, yeah, it's a good question. Actually, um, let me precede that. Is there any chance that it's Justin Fields and not Trevor Lawrence? No, I don't think so. I okay. think it's Trevor Lawrence. But as far as the 49ers at three, okay. the, the the immediate reaction was, oh, it's Mac Jones. And, and, you know, Kyle Shanahan has to get his Kirk Cousins or Jimmy Garoppolo or uh, Matt Ryan type quarterback. And, Mike, if, if, if you're just looking for that at quarterback, 
there's no reason to invest three first round picks into this guy. You already have you, you Jimmy Garoppolo, there. right? I mean, yeah, you just sit there and pick Mac Jones at 12 or you, you there just, you go. there's no reason to panic. To me, I think about a lot of things. Number one, uh, Shanahan and his love for the zone read. And I've heard him talk about how important that running back or excuse me, the quarterback running threat is on the zone read to pull it and really stress the defense as a legitimate run threat. You heard about what he said about Josh Allen and how yeah. it was impossible to fend him because of his mobility within the pocket. I think about the Shanahan's going back to Mike and two quarterbacks that he was uh, in on in the draft and made a move up for or just pick, you know, uh, uh, Jay Cutler. You can say what you want about Jay Cutler, but he had arm talent and mobility. And even RG3 with Washington. Those guys aren't Mac Jones. And, and so to me, there's just too many limitations with Mac Jones. There's too much dynamic playmaking potential with Justin Fields. And I just don't think you invest that type of draft capital in a player, Mac Jones in Mac Jones, when you can really get everything you're looking for in Justin Fields, who the Shanahan's have been working with dating back to his time in high school. <laughs> That's such a good answer. Um, so why go to three then? Who are they afraid of? Is it Atlanta? Do you Potentially? I, yeah. I think so. And I, I, I think there's a lot of teams that would want to get up there. Okay. So, I mean, you have to make sure you get your guy. And and like we talked about this already, the 49ers, without even having made this pick, they're projected to get 10 wins. 10. <laughs> so they got to go get their guy. They can't mess around. And I mean, for as, as loved as Kyle Shanahan is, right? Like he's highly respected. He's got a lot of fans. Obviously, 20, what was it, 2018 year, we went to the Super Bowl or 2019, whatever it was. But outside of that, he hasn't done much. Sure. You know, like, I mean, I know he's had a lot of injuries, but outside of that one Super Bowl run where everyone stayed healthy, the, the resume is pretty incomplete. And I think it was time for Kyle Shanahan to really get his guy and, and take this team to where everybody thinks he can take it. So he drafts Justin Fields, then he acquires Stefan Gilmore for Jimmy Garoppolo. Is that what happens here? Oh wow, uh, that would that would be something. Yeah, that would uh, that yeah. would that would give me some caution about uh, betting the under on those ten wins if he, if he pulls that off. There's my hot take to finish this off. He's at the Joe Marino on Twitter. You can find the Locked On Bills podcast. He is the senior NFL draft analyst for the Draft Network. Please subscribe to the Draft Network. The tools are unbelievable. I. I Joe, you, you tweeted out today's uh, the, the trade tool where you can basically see every team's trade history in terms of draft picks and, and where they've gone up and down. There's just so many toys to play with in that thing, right? I mean, it's it's a no-brainer at this point. Yeah, we, we, we work hard at it, trying to put the right, the right algorithm together and then introduce variants and have team tendencies in play for what happens with it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not perfect, you know, but we work really hard at it. We're really proud of, of the mock draft machine over at the draft. That's a lot of nerdy speak and you're, you've got a big nerdy audience here. So I'm sure that's going to, that's going to bode well for you, <laughs> Joe. Thanks for your time. Anytime, Mike. Thank you. Joined today by Scott Allen. Scott, we had some fun with the quarterback franchise earners a couple of days ago. We're going to keep it on that same pace. Switch to running backs, which should be a little bit harder, hopefully a little bit more interesting. I'm going to imagine there's not a lot of active running backs on current teams who are their current franchise earners, top earners. Am I correct in that assumption? You are correct in that assumption. All right. How do you want to lay it out? Like last time, give me five interesting ones or you got a better approach this time? No, no, let's go that route because there's some interesting teams that I don't even think you're no. going to get. I'm so. going to look like a fool in this one. Go ahead. Hit me. 
Yeah. Let's start with Tampa Bay. (laughs) Who do you think is the franchise earner in Tampa Bay? I did not guess this one, but when I saw the name, it, I don't know. The only guy I can think of is like a work done, but he didn't make any money. Did he? No. And I've, that's too far back, right? Yeah, it is too far back. Is he active? No. <laughs> oh, brother. Oh, Doug Martin. He was very close. Okay. He was second. All right, give it to me then. Carnell Williams. Yeah. All right. Cadillac yeah. Williams. Okay. Yep. All right. Keep going. All right. Uh, Wait, what's the number? Um, 20 and a half. Oh my goodness gracious. All right. Yeah, you're not you're you're not we're definitely not seeing as high of uh earnings from the running back position so then. Where are we at? We're, just so I know where is it's Peterson, right? With about 105. Is that the all-time running back earner? Well, with Minnesota, he's at 94.7. Okay. So that's so, the bar. Okay, go that's ahead. That's the bar because he's he, he had jumped around. So yeah, you have that right. Peterson is in Minnesota. Uh let's go with what um Carolina's interesting, isn't it? Is it McCaffrey? Or is it? It is not yet. So it's D'Angelo? Nope. Oh my gosh. Are you sure? Mm hmm. D'Angelo is $5 million behind this highest earner. Oh my goodness. Oh, Jonathan Stewart. Yeah, Jonathan. Man, they've had some running backs. Man, they've paid some running backs, huh? Yeah, they have Stewart at 47.7, then D'Angelo Williams at 42. Christian McCaffrey through the 2020 season is at 36.8. Scott, where will he be next year after 2021? Will he jump any of those two? No, yeah, he'll jump to second. He'll be at 45, so he'll be about 2.7 million behind Stewart. Okay, man, yeah, that's a a heavy running back paid team right there. All right, what else you got for me? Uh, let's go, uh, let's go Buffalo Bills, Homer team here. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lynch got a nice signing bonus, but he got out of there pretty quickly. I mean, Spiller kind of stayed around. Is it Spiller? No, more recent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We traded for him. Oh, shady. Shady. 35, 35.3. Wow. And that was a $40 million contract. So he almost got the whole contract. Yeah. And you want to guess who's number two? Is it Thurman? It is Thurman. Unbelievable. Yeah, so Thurman is second 4. in running back earnings. And Jim Kelly is first in quarterback earnings for this franchise. Yes. I can't wait to do wide receivers. I know. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, let's go. Let's go Kansas City. Yeah, that's a. I was thinking about this. Um, this. This is a name that was a predominant yeah. fantasy pick going in uh, for for multiple oh, I'm years. I'm drawing a blank. There's a P in it. Nope, no P. No, no, it's uh. Oh, I look like a fool in this one, don't I? Give me the name. I can't think of it. Jamal Charles. Okay. Yeah. All right. Who's second? Uh, second is Larry Johnson. Very nice. Yes, yes. 
I mean, can you, just doing this exercise, are you able to kind of see who has completely given up on paying running backs? I mean, is it is it are, are there anybody top th- whose top three is not active in the league right now? Uh, I'd have to run those metrics and see, but it, it's probably pretty close, I would think. You I know, bet I'd there's have, half the league in that situation right it, now. It would be it would be pretty close. Because when I look, when I did the comparison of 2020 to 2021, there's only, as of right now, two teams that have an increase in earnings and right. only one of the teams switches from one player to the next. And how many of those players are on the bubble next year? You know, how many of those players actually have guarantees? McCaffrey does, but so, he's, he's tradable out of that contract. So it's, I mean, who knows? Yeah. So, so the two teams as is Dallas. So I I bet you Zeke is going to be the new high earner next year. But as of, but as of through 2020, it was Emmett Smith. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Emmett did get paid. He did. Jerry loves paying the running backs. He always, always has. Um, It's just funny that he didn't pay to Marco Murray. Do you remember that guy wins the rushing title and he leaves for Tennessee? Yep, because he only made three point six yeah. in Dallas, and you're right, he did. He went and got paid, and yeah, and busted out. So Jerry yep. kind of knew what he was doing on that one, but he he does pay running backs, and obviously still does because Zeke came the other, before Dak. Go ahead. The the other team that is going to have an increase in earnings is, is just Giants with Saquon yeah. Barkley, and it's going to be major major because they're going to pay Saquon this offseason, I believe, and it's probably going to sur- surpass McCaffrey. But every other team has a you know a, a, standard a previous cutoff and, yeah. and it's a previous and there there are if i look quickly there's one active right now but he's on a different team everyone else is not mm. in the league anymore. well that's peterson right peterson right yeah hmm. so uh, my guess is you're never going to guess atlanta I would guess Devontae Freeman. No, he's third. Michael Turner. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Impressive. Yeah. Turner, then Dunn, then Freeman. So works on that list, too. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Um, here's what I want. Is Matt Forte the Bears top? Yes, he is. Okay. That was easier than minutes. I thought it was going to be. Here's the one I don't know. And I, I don't even know if I could guess it. Who is San Francisco? Because they have been right. Uh, they have been running back by committee. Uh, it seems like since Roger Craig, I feel like this was their 1990s, uh, you know, plan. This player is far and above the or highest earner in history. For really? So am yes. I missing somebody here? You are. He played for the Buffalo Bills. He's a journeyman at this point. What? Give it to me. Frank Orr. That's my bad. You're right. 47 million. Second all time in running back earnings. He's he's one of the goats. You're right. He did get a second contract there. You're right. Next closest is McKinnon at 17. Incredible. And he he barely played to get that cash. Insurance paid most of that contract. Wow. Uh, Is Seattle Lynch? Seattle is Lynch. Man, a lot of old bills on this list. <laughs> uh, let's keep going here. Tennessee, you might be able to get. Is Hey, is Philadelphia shady? 
Is Shady twice? Shady is twice. Buffalo and Is he the only two-team no. player on this list? Okay. There, Let's go down that two, route then. There's two others. Let's go down that route. Two more. Yeah, we haven't said them yet. Okay, great. Great, great, great. Wait, is oh we have we said Emmett though. It would could it could be Emmett with Arizona, but you're saying no. There is a higher one in Arizona. Okay. Um all right, give me one of the teams that I'm dealing with here. Indianapolis. Indy. Oh, um Edger and James. Yes, he was the highest in Indy and he's the highest in Arizona. Okay, that makes sense. Give me one of the other teams. Cleveland. Cleveland. Is it Cleveland and Pittsburgh? Cleveland and Baltimore. Oh, I'm thinking of the right guy. Jamal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it? Jamal. Lewis. Lewis. Jamal Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we got about half the league here. Um, is Houston Lamar Miller? Houston is not Lamar Miller. Oh God. Is it a name? Yeah, you're gonna you'll kick yourself. Lamar Miller's second. Foster. Aaron Foster. That's right. Yes, of course. Yep. Anybody else interesting? Anybody way off the board that we haven't mentioned yet? I mean, these are basically all early two thousands guys. Th- they are. That that's I, where I it peaked, clearly. I, I would be shocked if you got Green Bay. Oh, Brian Grant. No. No, that's not the name I was thinking of. Oh, he was there for a while. Who the hell was? I'm not gonna get it. Amon Green. Yeah, that's what I was. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ladanian Tomlinson. He is the, the highest Chargers. in Chargers. Yep. Boy, the, uh, is the Rams? the Rams? Is it hard? It's Gurley, right? It is not Gurley. Get out. Is Steven Williams? Steven Jackson. Jackson. Sorry, man. Too many names. Yeah, Get, I know. All right. Gurley, Gurley was second, just behind, uh, like, uh, just under $2 million behind. So Gurley would have got it with one more year, but they got out early on that contract. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jacksonville uh, is, oh, that's probably easier, right? Maybe it is a nine. Yeah, I think. Is it nine. uh Oh, it's the hyphenated guy, Maurice Jones-Drew. Nope. No. Nope. Older than that. This is a disaster. Is Jones-Drew. It, oh, it's Fred second. Taylor, right? Fred Taylor was Fred there Taylor. forever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oakland slash Vegas, but it's Oakland. He never played for Vegas, so. It is Oakland. It is. It's, it's only. Wait, Oakland. is that Jones-Drew? No. Gross. Hmm. Arkansas. Okay. All right. Um, boy, I can see him in my head. Run slash slash slash. <laughs> Run DMC. I know. D uh, McFadden, right? Yep. McFadden. Darren McFadden. Four, 45 Yeah, million. he did get paid. He's probably top 10 all time. I bet you he is. Yeah, he's probably close. Yeah, they hated that contract. 
let's give the top 10 actually let's take a look at this because it's always an interesting list and it's generally this kind of you know that kind of area all-time running back earnings let's finish here scott okay um we've mentioned the top three we have not mentioned number four in this list is reggie bush a leader in one of his teams New yes or- is he at new orleans he's a new orleans leader new orleans leader. when can kamara catch him um not next year um reggie bush is at 41 yeah with the saints right now through 2020 Kamara's at 18.7. He'll go up to uh, 20.7 next year. It's not going (laughs) to happen. Not going to happen. I think we've mentioned everybody else. McCoy, Emmett Smith, LaDainian Tomlinson, Marshawn Lynch, Stephen Jackson, Jonathan Stewart. So your top 10 is all part of this conversation. And then McFadden's 11th just outside. Marshall Falk was too early, right? He's not on any of these lists. He would be Rams or Colts. Curtis Martin? That's not your Patriots top top earner, is it? No. No, it, it is. I, I was kind of shocked by it. James White for the Patriots. That makes sense. Long, yeah. Longevity and four to five million dollar contracts pretty much every year. Yeah, and, and that was a high of 15.9. Yeah, they so don't pay. They really, they don't pay. They pay above average, just not elite ever. And that's been their, that's been their thing. I mean, all you're going to find this with Edelman, with with uh you know Wes Welker all these players they're going to be slightly above the average pay but that you know it's just good enough and and yes Curtis Martin is the Jets high he is the Jets high 45.9 that's that's quite a while ago it is that's quite a while ago um we'll see what happens with that so who's I mean McCaffrey's certainly going to break a breakthrough here Um, McCaffrey's 26 on the all-time list right now he's going to pass 40 pretty easily um probably get himself into 45 which will put him top 18 chris johnson's tennessee yes i have to imagine yep washington is portis it's got to be portis yeah yeah and then pittsburgh's kind of a gimme that is still right that is the boss yeah it should be bell it should be be bell with that franchise tag scott And uh, obviously Detroit forever ago, Mr. Barry Sanders. Get out. Yeah, Barry Sanders. That might be the most shocking one on this whole list. Barry Sanders. Uh, He is at 33.7. The next closest is Theo Riddick at 11. My goodness, Detroit. And they just keep, and they're just going RBBC every year now. I mean, they're drafting and signing a player every year. So that's then, not that's not going to change, which I can't say that's the wrong decision right now. You know, I can't say it. Some others, Terrell Davis for the Denver Broncos. Broncos sure. Uh, we've got Giovanni Bernard. Is Cincy, yeah. He just got released Cincy. out of there. And then we've got, I think that's. So, no, that's not. Well, can Melvin Ronnie- Gordon Scott pass Terrell Davis this year? No, Melvin Gordon signed a $16 million uh, contract, so no. He'll be he's close. At, he's at 15-9, yeah. so he's about $3 million short. What a list. And then to finish it off, we've got Miami with Ronnie Brown. Yeah, Wildcat Ronnie Brown. And Who's the lowest top franchise earner? 
Do you have that there? Yes, I do. It is. Got to sort real quick here. Is it Geo? No. James White at 15.9. There's your Patriots way. <laughs> There's your Patriots way. It goes New England, then Cleveland, then Denver, then Tampa Bay and Green Bay. Highest is Minnesota mm -hmm. with Adrian Peterson, then Dallas with Emmett right now, and then Ezekiel Elliott, and then Chargers with Tomlinson, Carolina with Stewart, and San Francisco with Gore. Wow. Very nice. Yes. Very nice. Um, real quick, let's pivot because we're talking kind of uh, values and, and franchises and things like that. We, uh, one of the neat things we do on the site, Scott, is we do our best values based on statistics and pay and kind of a Z, you know, a Z index calculation of where players exist right now in the game versus what they're making. And I, I like to touch base with the, whatever the active season is. And, and it's probably a good time to start looking at baseball with this. The name at the top of the list is probably one of those names that you've drafted in fantasy three years in a row or maybe two out of the last three years and you've wanted to punch a wall about mid-June because he is the, he was this highly touted prospect and he just couldn't figure it out or he was busting or he was injured or whatever. But Byron, Broxt Byron Buxton, that is, uh, that is ridiculous. Byron Buxton, Minnesota Twins, is finally here. He's finally here. Now, he does have a slight injury right now. But for all intents, he has been all the five-tool package that we thought he was going to be in 2021. And he sits atop this list. He is the best value player in baseball, according to our calculations. Um, and there's a couple more names to talk about here. J.D. Martinez is fourth with a $22 million average salary. And he was a ghost last year. And that yes. whole Red Sox organization was a ghost last year. They're ripping off a huge winning streak. They're atop the AL East, remarkably. And this is the, I mean, he's the reason why. He, he decided to come back to earth this year. And if that continues, you know, Cousin Dan and I kind of spoke highly of Boston in our projection pieces. Yes, you did. Um, you know, that the Yankees were going to be good, but they, were, they weren't going to be an all-time team. That the Blue Jays were going to be good, but the hype was just too much. And there's just not enough... There was just too many solid players and too many solid additions to that Boston team with too much anti-hype because of the Mookie Betts trade still. And there was just too much too much positive juju, I think, to, to overlook the Red Sox. And J.D. Martinez is in that same conversation. So the fact that he's a top five value right now in the game, it's not an accident. It's not an accident. And you should be buying high on him right now, I do believe. But here's some other names for you in our top 15. Ronald Acuna's third. Uh, if you haven't seen Atlanta play or seen highlights of Ronald Acuna Jr., <laughs> uh, it's time. He's going to be he's going to be in that Fernando Tatis Jr. conversation soon as just the five-tool, extremely flashy player. He may not be as marketable because he's not kind of getting in front of the camera as much, but he's doing everything. He's 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 beating out ground balls, the second base. He's doing everything. Uh, he's a hell of an outfielder as well. And yeah, and he had that run to first where he beat out the that? throw. Yeah. <laughs> he's also on an eight for 100 contract. Correct. Which is insane. Insane for a perennial MVP. Just one of those kids you're going to want to be able to see, you know, at the ballpark three, four times a year if you're 
a National League fan or a Braves fan for sure, he's going to be a best value <laughs> for quite some time here if all things go correct. So it's no accident that he he's third right now. He is your uh, Vegas M- and National League MVP favorite right now by more than double. Uh, so it's Acuna Jr. and Soto top two. Your AL favorite for MVP? Any guesses, Scott? Mm. Trout. It is Trout. Yeah. Same, same, same. And guess who is right behind him? Number two. His teammate, Shohei Otani. Oh, really? Look, we've been calling for this every offseason, every preseason. If the Angels could just be good with these players, baseball will benefit immensely from it. And we're here. They're good. Okay? I don't know if this pitching can hold up. They have assets to be able to go and get another pitcher. Uh, they have the right coach and Cookie Joe Madden. They have they have the things there now that need to be there. There's a new GM who clearly decided that we're going to throw a bunch of pitching at the wall and hope something works. And they they gave Shohei Otani time to heal properly. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep him under control in terms of his health, but Mike Trout every year, no matter how much you pay him, no matter how much you hate him, no matter how much you talk about him, no matter how many of his baseball cards you look at or buy. He just continues being Mike Trout. And you know what those kind of players become? They become the best of all time because nothing deters them. Nothing. They, they, he stays off social media, and you can hate that from a marketing and a brand standpoint, but this guy just puts his head down and plays baseball, and you can't pay him enough. He's going to be LeBron James to this sport at some point in time if he can win one, two, three championships. He's going to be that kind of player. Because there's just nothing that can deter this guy. And knock on wood, he doesn't get injured either. He's out for a couple here and there, you know, similar to LeBron's career. But he's just that type of athlete right now. And the fact that he is perennially at the top of his MVP list, no matter what, and now the fact that he's got a teammate there with him, the fact that he's got a team that's in the top of the standings and that it looks like they can actually compete, it's really good news. So I'm happy to report that. But uh, you can check out this entire value list spotrack.com slash MLB slash valuation. And look, if you want to take the rookie contracts, the pre-arb guys out of it, you can do that. You can just look at veterans. You can look at just pre-arb guys. You can look at players who have expiring contracts, which is also a really interesting way to look at a baseball season. You know, who's looking to get paid? Trevor Bauer last year wins a Cy Young in his last year of of, uh, free agent eligibility. So there's a lot of players kind of playing for a paycheck right now. And they're playing well. So, you know, this, this, this listing that we have here is highly filterable, but it's also kind of a neat way to follow the season. Every two weeks, we kind of do a nice update on this list calculations-wise. And uh, it's just kind of a, a good way to keep up with a long marathon season. Any other thoughts on this, Scott? My last thought is you mentioned Trout, and even with an AAV of 35 and a half, he still is – Top thirty yeah. out of all. He'll find players. his way into the top twenty in, in, in terms oh, of a yeah, best value. It's just how he operates. He uh, he takes his his hits and and just keeps on hitting. Joe Musgrove, by the way, the best value pitcher in baseball right now. Getting out of Pittsburgh is good medicine. <laughs> it's good <laughs> medicine. Ask yes. Garrett Cole. Ask Tyler Glasnow. Who's second, by the way? Joe Musgrove, Tyler Glasnow, your top two best value pitchers. I'm sorry, Pirates fans. Good stuff, Scott. Thanks. All right, have a good one. All right, my thanks to Joe Marino. He's at the Joe Marino on Twitter. He's the host of the Locked On Bills podcast. 
and he is all over the Draft Network. Please subscribe to the premium services at the Draft Network. They're great. They are worth your time. There's tons of data, tons of research, tons of toys to play with. Definitely worth a couple of bucks for you, especially this time of year. Thanks to Scott Allen and his great work on the research he did to pull running back data. We're going to bring him back. Wide receivers are next. I imagine it's not going to be as hard as running backs, but not as easy as quarterbacks. So right in the middle spot. So wide receivers are next in terms of the highest earners per franchise list. And of course, we'll be talking NBA MVPs, Major League Baseball futures. The next big golf conversation is coming up. And there's, uh, you know, plenty to get to in the sports world. My thanks to The Athletic. Check out TheAthletic.com covering all the sports. TheAthletic.com slash SpotTrack. Get your 40% off your first year subscription today. And it's time to get Dynasty Owner. DynastyOwner.com. Real NFL contracts in Dynasty Fantasy Football. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trek Podcast. Mm-hmm.